0: Radio Annettes gonna Reserve, the largest privately owned parcel of land in Victoria, is being handed back to traditional owners, the first peoples of uh, Millawar and Mali Aboriginal Corporation. And I'm joined on NITV radio by Sally Wolf and Ruby Knight of the First Peoples of Milawa and Mali Aboriginal Corporation, to learn more about the handback, its significance and its potential. Welcome to NITV Radio, Sally and Robbie.
1: Thank you for having
0: us. Before we go into the handbag, its significance, uh, the potential use of uh, this uh, immense block of land, can you please tell us a bit about yourselves and your work with uh, the First Peoples of uh, Milawa and Mali Aboriginal Corporation?
1: It's Sally Wolfe. I'm a Medikuti woman and I am the Executive Assistant.
0: Robbie
2: Knight operations development officer of First People, um, Nyeri Nyeri man of Mildura, and Wagaya.
0: Now, Netskona Reserve, the largest privately owned uh, parcel of land, being handed back to traditional owners, your people, is uh, quite a tremendous event.
2: None of this would have been possible if it weren't for the efforts of our CEO, Glendal Schrader.
0: And uh, what was the CEO's involvement?
2: The negotiations for the whole process. It was an extremely long process, many hurdles, and he navigated it just amazingly. It, it would not have happened without Glendale Schrader, the CEO.
1: Yeah, I totally uh, concur with that. Glendale has built this corporation, um, from a very small number, and now we're looking at 80 people in total. And... They're all Indigenous apart from uh, four staff members. So he puts the right people in the right right position um, and he wants people that are passionate. Glendale is so passionate about um, Aboriginal affairs. Uh, he is American-born, however, he also has um, Aboriginal children, so he's perfect for the role.
0: Now going back to the handback. Uh, well the handback ceremony took place a few days ago and uh, we have to remind our listeners again, again that it's uh, quite a big block of land, more than 30,000 uh, hectares, which opens a tremendous amount of opportunities of what can be done on this block of land and uh, future development. It must be a very exciting time for the fast peoples of uh, Milawa and Murray Aboriginal Corporation.
1: It is pretty, it's very exciting times ahead, especially for um, first people in the middle of Alex. We've got some amazing um, things to look forward to in the future. And
0: this has been a long time coming, actually, because this land has been privately owned and uh, it was previously used for more than a century for agricultural uh, purposes, grazing, and all, all other actually uh, activities that happen to proved to be unsustainable, then taken over by Trust for Nature, uh, transformed in the course of uh, about two decades, and now finally handed back to its rightful owners.
1: That's correct. We've actually been working with Trust for Nature for the past 12 months um, leading up to this.
0: Now, what type of... um rehabilitation work was undertaken because we know Trust for Nature is a conservation organisation but what was the contribution of the fast peoples of Milwa and Mali in uh, the land reclamation and uh, land reaffectation?
2: Basically it's, it's our job just to um, repair it. The main focus is is restoration of, of habitat uh, and uh, the, the repair of, and care for The entire biocultural environment. You know, some may celebrate the handing back of a piece of land, put it like it's an asset. However, we've been handed back a huge liability, and now we have to find the resources to be able to fix it. The way I see it is our people have been excluded from financial gain or building. an economy for their people over the last couple hundred years we haven't had access to resources, land, water mining, whatever it might be and now we're back I'll use a, a metaphor I suppose it's like a vehicle I know Sally loves these metaphors imagine having a vehicle that someone stole from you and drove it all over the country making all these great business connections and ventures And pretty much over the 200 years have driven that vehicle into the ground and then it gets just dropped back at your doorstep and it is just destroyed. basically nothing left of it and you've been handed it back with the responsibility of fixing it. They also expect you to thank them for dropping it back off to you. However, we need the resources now to be able to fix this land. It's a huge liability. It's a huge task at hand that we have to be able to repair the entire biocultural environment. So, um, yeah, we we don't see it as an asset. We see it as a, a, a monstrous responsibility for Indigenous peoples to be able to repair this property in its entirety.
0: Yeah, and this hand back is uh, viewed as a generous act of uh, reconciliation. At least this is what transpires in the conversations we've had with uh, Trust for Nature and uh, other stakeholders. Uh, It must be said that it's uh, quite rare that a block of land uh, this uh, big is handed back, especially in the current circumstances, and uh, the. Of, uh, yeah, it's the largest uh, privately owned parcel of land in Victoria. But uh, Nets Corner Reserve being really a massive block of land uh, uh, comes of course with liabilities, but it also offers uh, a tremendous uh, amount of possibilities and opportunities.
1: That's correct. We've actually got a major projects planned for Ned's Corner. Um, as you would have seen in the email that I've sent you, we've got the waterway restoration. So we have a native fish hatchery, which will be based out at Ned's Corner. Um, we're doing the mass planting and the forest and uh, floodplain management and the regeneration of farming. The 2037 biodiversity target for carbon farming Um, We've got the cultural fire management, not only at Ned's Corner, but the Murray Sunset National Park. And, of course, we're looking at the National World Heritage recognition and listing. Another really exciting project which first people are working on, which also will be situated at Ned's Corner and be the first of its kind in Victoria, is a social justice. So we're looking at an alternative to imprisonment and we're lobbying through Parliament, as we speak.
0: Uh, How are the conversations with um,
1: the politicians? The conversations are very promising. We've got a lot of traction happening as we speak. We're modelling our alternative to imprisonment with the Canadian version, which are the best in the world. Currently, we have the highest percentage of incarceration in the world of our Indigenous people, So we're looking to change
0: that because that system does not work. Now, this story goes beyond just conservation, land rights and uh, all that. The future use of the land is really important as it will address uh, what you just mentioned, uh, the over-representation of uh, fast peoples in the prison uh, system. And uh, this over-representation is just not on uh, uh, one state. It's... um, right across the country.
1: That's correct. In Victoria, we're close to South Australia for um, some South Australian funding as well to go towards it. Um, our first stage one will be a 32-bed um, facility, and so it's pretty exciting times.
0: So in uh, terms of uh, justice reinvestment, you just mentioned uh, those uh, bed facilities, what other projects will you have for uh, actually to address the over-incarceration uh, leveraging on uh, Ned's Corner?
2: Basically, the whole idea of doing this justice reinvestment campus or centre, whatever you might want to call it, is around job-specific training for Indigenous prisoners so that we can make sure that they they have somewhere to walk into other than the environment that they were basically arrested from. use another metaphor about taking a fish from sick, toxic water and taking it away and rehabilitating it. And then once it's nice and healthy again, you take it straight back to that same water and release it into that toxic water again. That's insane, but that is currently what the justice system does that is the system that we are working with at the moment. So basically, to take the money that is, is spent and a lot of it is you know, prison systems that are not owned by Australians, the money does not stay within Australia. It doesn't go back into investing into uh, the the person's ground that they were taken from. It doesn't provide more opportunities for that prisoner once they get out. It's that money's gone, it's invested somewhere else. So what we're looking to do is basically take the individual, man or woman, that is a prisoner, and educate them for job specific training within land management, within any of the systems that we work in. The main focus for us is to move back into land management where we see places like Parks Victoria, Mallee catchments, lower Murray Waters, any, any sort of management of the country, we're looking at basically and asking what does the current land management, what does their exit plan look like? Because in order for us to be in a healthy environment, we need some economical flows coming back into our communities. We don't have employment. The problem with our incarceration rates is um, we're being let back into the same environment that we were arrested from. You've got to look at the individual. Was the individual sick or was their environment sick? That's the problem that we have and that's what the, the campus will address. Job-specific training, so they have somewhere to go. It's not They're not being set up to fail. I'll tell you, when you get released from prison, you have a very small amount of money, sometimes hundreds of dollars, and you are expected to move back out into society and become a contributing member of society. $300, all jokes aside, that's probably enough for a a balaclava and a jimmy bar.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And that's uh, one thing that uh, we've been covering at SBS. We had a show uh, about uh, actually the most important situation for former inmates is just coping with the first 100 days post-release because you come out of jail, you have nowhere to live, and you have no resources. Probably your family connections are broken down. You don't have a place to your moms to go to, or if you're a youngster, or even your family is all struggling, you've lost your social your housing, public housing and so on. So yeah, it sounds like a really good step towards uh, rehabilitating uh, inmates. And uh, there's yeah. quite a big potential on uh, this reserve.
1: I agree. I've spent 17 years in the justice system and I can tell you the current system does not work. You've got people being released that are on community corrections orders and they're generally on 12, 24-month orders. And then they've been told, you have to report to us weekly, sometimes twice a week, and you need to get ABC done, you need to do your drug and alcohol, you need to go to counselling, you need to also report for men's behaviour change program. But how can they do that when they haven't met the hierarchy of needs? They don't have a home, they don't... So with um, These people are being released and are often living on the streets and then next thing you know, we're breaching them. They're being breached because they haven't met their order. So they're then back into the court system again, more taxpayers' money and then... And the system starts again. I've um, and which is why I'm so passionate about um, the social justice that's happening in Ned's Corner, and the re- main reason why I left the Department of Justice to come over to work
0: here. This land, besides its uh, land management uh, opportunities that it will be offering, it's also got a cultural potential because there's a lot of artefacts and uh, uh, items of uh, cultural and historical significance on this property.
1: That's correct. We've got the Pull pool and Poogee program, which is the recovery of ancestral remains and sacred sites. So that Ned corner is very significant when it comes to that.
2: It's not just items as, as, as such as artefacts. I mean, we're looking at the tangible and intangible cultural heritage of country. It's the stories that are also connected with it. You know, I and mean, we've got quarries of silcrete out there, which is a major trade a trade item as well. You know, it's, it's basically the same across country. We've got uh, middens, uh, we've got uh, shell, you know, old cooking sites, clay balls, and flakes of silcrete as well that have been used for cutting tools, implements, grindstones, not to mention huge burial sites, scar trees. Everything is there.
0: In uh, the conversations we've been having around uh, this handbag, it says there's a timeline and um, the process will end in February 2024.
1: That's correct. I, I also didn't mention that we also have the largest native seed bank possibly in Victoria. The one thing I love about First People is that we give individuals a chance where they wouldn't normally get because of criminal records so a lot of our ranger teams so we have a river ranger team a safe haven team and we'll soon be taking on native bees so we're putting back um back into our people and Ned's Corner will be amazing
0: Now, Sally and Robbie, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today about uh, this development, the largest privately owned parcel of land uh, in Victoria, being handed back to the First Peoples of Miloa Mali Aboriginal Corporation.
1: Thank you for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. Um, I would like to invite you to come out to have a look at our seed production and maybe in the future pop out to Ned's Corner.
0: Most definitely.